This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the fifth chapter. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, the great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came and when he saw him fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing on you. How can you say who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the elder of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep. The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk around. She was about 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It was the fall of 1963. I was an intern at a church at the edge of Washington, D.C. My supervisor, who had been command chaplain in the Philippines during World War II, a retired colonel, 
was away for a meeting in St. Louis and had left me to be in charge of Sunday services. Now, such an arrangement was not unusual. Interns often got a chance to conduct services, especially when their supervisor was away. But this ordinary development turned out to be far from usual, because right before that Sunday, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I fully expected my supervisor to fly home and take charge of his flock at this time of national crisis. To my surprise, he did not. Rather, I was left to take charge. Given the military perspective he brought to the administration of the parish, I was the next in the line of command, and all decisions fell to me. Well, I was only a few months into my internship, a mere 24 years old, and a mere two years of seminary education under my belt. I hardly had the stature to make great pronouncements concerning this time of national tragedy. So I did the only thing I knew to do, based on my seminary training. I preached on the gospel lesson for that day. Now, I recount all of this because the gospel lesson for that day was part of the one before us this day, the woman who sought healing by touching Jesus' garment. It is a text I will never forget. Now, this woman in our gospel was desperate. She had been suffering with this affliction for 12 years and apparently had suffered much under the failed efforts of various doctors. In fact, after all the indignities of their ministrations, things got worse. Her condition also rendered her ritually impure, ritually impure for participation in temple worship. So her physical suffering was therefore magnified by the degrading nature of her disease in the eyes of her community, which made her an outcast. So she strains against the force of the crowd, reaching, reaching for all she's worth, stretching just to get a touch, maybe of the hem of his cloak. She was desperate for healing, if only, if only, she thought, if only I could just touch his robe. That day in 1963, the grief-stricken people of our nation were also desperate for healing, for some sense of why this terrible thing should happen, for some word of hope and comfort in the face of a senseless killing of this country's young and charismatic leader. And the word of this woman's healing somehow brought a note of comfort and hope in God's healing power to those gathered in that church that sad morning, at least for a time. And today people are desperate too. We have been at war for the longest that we have been at any time in our history because the conditions in the war-torn places of this world seem never to get resolved. 
the innocent bystanders of those beleaguered countries are the ones who suffer the most in many ways. They are desperate, desperate for the end of this endless conflict that is leaving their cities and homes in ruins and destroying their life. If only, if only, they say, there was a chance for peace. A single mother sits at the kitchen table late at night while her daughter sleeps in the only other room of their flat. She worries about the violence in the streets and in her little girl's school. But right now she is looking at bills on the table and wondering which ones she will pay from the meager income of her two low-wage jobs. She is feeling desperate desperate for some relief, some sign of hope, a way to get through it all and see her, her daughter to a better life. If only, if only, she says, I could find a way. The refugee family is fleeing the violence of their homeland. The gangs are forcefully taking young girls into the sex trade, the only choice for parents of these girls is to flee. The boys, the boys join the gangs so that their families will be protected from these same gangs. Who wants to stay in such a place? They are desperate, desperate to find a place to live in peace, to survive, to find a welcoming community and let the healing of past wounds and fears begin to take place. If only, if only, they say, there could be such a place for them. And grieving is supposed to end in due time, but for some bereft of a loved one who was the very anchor and hope of their life, grief seems to linger. It drains away the energies that make life bearable and even, even at times joyful. For some who deal with lingering grief, there, there can be a sense of desperation, a strong desire to see a way out of depression and into a renewal of life. Death had been cruel. One is desperate to know that this death is not the end of life and that life should therefore go on in the strength of that promise. If only, if only that's true. Mother's Day has come and gone. Father's Day has come and gone. Significant birthdays and anniversaries have come and gone. Christmas has come and gone. Still, there is no word from that child now grown who was once the apple of their eye. So many good times they had together. How did it happen? How did it all fall apart? What is the source of bitterness and alienation? They are desperate to know and somehow be reconciled, to hug each other again, to eat together and celebrate achievements and anniversaries, to laugh and kid one another, to hear the latest and to say, I love you. If only, if only we could heal this breach. The addict, 
sits in a dark corner, needle in hand, knowing he won't stop. Everything he had in life is now shambles. His relationships, his career, his family life, he is desperate, desperate to be healed of this disease that seems to have such a control over him. If only, if only I had what it takes to get clean. If only, <clears throat> if only I could just touch his garment, I know I will be healed, that desperate woman thought. And Jairus, too, had been desperate. Knowing that his daughter was near death, he fell on his face before Jesus, begging him to save her life. If only, if only you will come, he begged. Well, we cannot be Jesus with the saving power of healing emanating from even our clothing. We do not possess that kind of healing power, even, of course, not the power over death that we too saw today in the raising of Jairus' daughter. However, as the body of Christ in this world, we can be, as it were, the hem of his garment, a conduit of his healing power and love. The healing of the distressed woman and her restoration to community and the raising of Jairus' daughter point to the ultimate healing of all, the healing of all in the very presence of God. And as we await in faith the fulfillment of that promised future revealed on Easter morn, we can individually and as a community of Christian faith be a channel of God's healing promise. Faith, active in love, seeking healing, is the way of the Christian life in a desperate world of desperate people terribly in need of healing. We know how to do this. We know how to do this. A kind word, a listening ear, a gentle touch, a trip to City Hall, a letter to your senator, a well-placed donation, a word of acceptance or encouragement, prayers, actions, presence. And we are well equipped to seek the healing of the desperate because in the deepest recesses of our soul, we see the frailty of our own lives and the limits of the hopes we try to manufacture. We are one with all those desperate people, for we are a part of the human community. We know we are desperate, too. We know, as Henry Nouwen has put it, that when in compassion we reach out to heal, we are wounded healers. Wounded healers, in some real sense, the wounds of others that long for healing are a reminder of our own needs for healing. Jesus' cure of that desperate woman and the raising of the daughter of the desperate Jairus pointed beyond themselves to God's future of life everlasting when all will be finally healed, even the earth itself. And so it is with us, too. Our efforts point to a larger hope. Healing is not curing. The traumas of life may be healed in some real way, but the marks remain, reminding us of our need for the curative power 
of God's grace. And that grace is there for us. In the words of absolution, bestowing God's forgiveness. The enduring power of baptism with God's great yes stamped on our lives. The sharing of the peace and the presence of our Lord in the bread and wine to once again make us whole and bring us together. Thanks be to God. Amen.